Cindy and I have a uh, dual alarm at home, and uh, each of the alarms have two different types of settings. And uh, one of them is a uh, gentle kind of volume increasing alarm. And the second alarm is, is immediately loud. It's blaring, it's obnoxious, and every once in a while, we accidentally set the wrong alarm. And so we get this offensively loud uh, alarm. It's one of those alarms that when it goes up, off, you, you wake up. <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa, what, what's, what's going on? And you're wide awake, your heart's pounding, and we start the day so abruptly that I need Xanax at that point. And uh, I, I hate that alarm. I hate that alarm. I'd prefer that gentle kind of volume increasing alarm. Also has a snooze feature on the clock. Now this I like. It is heat sensitive. And so instead of having to hit the button, you just gotta get in the proximity of, of the button and you can snooze the alarm. And so, all right, now I'm just curious, how many of you hit the snooze button every morning just about. Come on, raise your hands, own it. All right, how many of you, that's why you were late today? Yeah. You know, actually, according to USA Today, more than one-third of Americans hit the snooze button three times every morning. I had a uh, roommate in college, and uh, we took an early class together. It started at 7 a.m., and actually, I need to rephrase that. We registered for the class together. And what would happen, our alarms would go off about the same time. I'd get up, stumble to the shower, get ready, and I'd usually yell at him right before I left for class. And it happened so often that I developed a routine. And so I would start whistling. And I would just whistle it over and over and over. And then right before I went out the door, I'd yell, later, snoozy, see you in three. And uh, I would come back after a three-hour class, and there were many, many times he was still in bed, the alarm was still going off, and he was hitting the snooze. He did it most of the semester. Now, how many college students are here? Let me see college students. Okay, this is real important. Listen, all right? He paid for the class. He did not pass the class, all right? So that's my piece of uh, wealth to you this morning. There's a uh, clock. It's made by uh, NADA, and uh, they have two different types of clocks. There's clocky and talky. And these clocks have a microchip in them. And so what happens when you hit the alarm, the snooze button, it immediately works its way off of the nightstand and it hides. It really does. It hides. It finds a new hiding place every morning. There's no kidding. In fact, just watch this. This, this is
be are going to go get one now. <laughs> it's like, and I know the analytics, they watch that and they go, really? It rolls down the street. It doesn't roll down the street. It's just a commercial. So, but We're continuing our series, Echo. And we're exploring the amazing work of the Holy Spirit. Talking about how the Holy Spirit works in our lives and the important role that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives. And last week, we focused on the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And we talked a little bit about the fact that we live in very confusing times. And there are a lot of voices, a lot of voices that echo in our heads. Uh, we got the echoes from society and from friends and from family and from media and, and culture. And these echoes are plentiful and they're powerful. In fact, the echoes that we listen to will determine what we echo in our life. In fact, those echoes will determine who you become. In other words, echoes echo. And we just built, built on that. Today what I want to talk about is how the Holy Spirit convicts us. And it has been my observation that we tend to treat the Holy Spirit a little bit like we do our alarm clock. And so when the Holy Spirit raises an alarm within us, that echo inside us, we want to hit the snooze button. And we just hit it. And friends, God has a better plan for us. I mean, we hit it because maybe we're just really, really busy and we don't have time to deal with whatever it is the Holy Spirit wants us to deal with. Or maybe we simply ignore it because we don't want to respond to it and we really don't like what the Holy Spirit's pushing us toward or away from. Maybe we hit that snooze button in hopes that somehow we don't have to deal with whatever it is. Now, the story I want to look at today, it's found in the Gospels. It's written by, by John. You know, the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John writes this, Jesus is talking with the disciples. This is right before he's going to be crucified. And these guys have been together for three years. And things are kind of coming to a close. And so Jesus is sharing with them. He's sharing with them some crucial things, very important things. And he writes this, he says, when he arrives, he's talking about the Holy Spirit there, he will uncover the sins of, of the world, expose unbelief as sin, and allow all to see their sins in the light of righteousness, God's righteousness, for the first time. This new awareness of righteousness is important because I'm going to the Father. In other words, I won't be around to help you figure things out. And, you will no, and I will no longer be present with you. Now I want you to catch, there's a few words that just jump at me. Uncover the sins. Expose unbelief. Allow us to see sin in light of God's righteousness. And then new awareness, a new awareness of righteousness. Those words are kind of woven through, through the scriptures. In fact, they're woven the way they are because the, the actual word that's there in the Greek is conviction. And it's so complex that the writer writes it in, in this kind of a form. 
Now, Jesus is sharing with the disciples, and when he would have used that, that Greek word, they would have readily understood three things really fast. It, it was easy for them to see. I think it's a little harder for us to see it here, and it's easy to miss. But that word a conviction implies three different things. The, the idea of rebuke. You know, it's a stern disapproval. And this is really kind of the beginning point of, of salvation. Because in a sense, when you, you sense that you're guilty of something, guilty of something that, because of sin, what happens, you're convicted. But without conviction, there's no awareness of sin. And if there's no uh, conviction, then there's no awareness of sin, then there, there's no repentance because there's nothing to repent from. You know, without repentance, there's no forgiveness. Without forgiveness, there's no salvation. And, and so this awareness of sin is where everything starts. It's the starting point of salvation. In fact, if you've been praying for somebody to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life, you pray that the Holy Spirit will convict them. Because salvation, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's why Paul, Paul writes in Corinthians, he says, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Listen real careful. You cannot change people. You cannot convince people. But God, through the Holy Spirit, can use you. You know, so I'm always talking about watching for those spiritual windows where you have an opportunity to share on some level. You know, maybe uh, in a conversation where you can kind of point someone toward God. Maybe a simple invitation to just come to church. Hey, check it out. You know, maybe an act of kindness, maybe a word of encouragement. In other words, all we can do as Christians is be faithful and be obedient, continually praying for people, hoping, and God will use those things that you do to convict the heart of another person. In fact, some of you this morning, God's already used you this morning, maybe in a conversation out in the cafe or out in the commons before church. You know, maybe through your serve this morning, you touched someone's life. You know, God used you to, to just open a little door. And what the Holy Spirit does is he will convict someone because of those actions and those things that we do, but it's the Holy Spirit that convicts. It's the Holy Spirit that changes lives. What, what I've come to realize through the years is I could have 10,000 conversations. I could try and convince somebody that they need Jesus Christ as Lord of their life, that they need God in their life. I could lay it out very compelling. I could point to the fact that life is much better when God's first. I could do that. 
and I will do that. But here's what I want us to be clear on. It's the Holy Spirit that will convict. It's the Holy Spirit that changes people, that brings about transformation. That's powerful. It's the power of God. It's the power of God at work. In fact, right now, some of you, the Holy Spirit's whispering. It's echoing. Maybe because of one of those conversations you had. Maybe because of something you've already experienced this morning in in worship, you know, in one of the songs, or maybe in the message, the Holy Spirit will echo. And it echoes in your heart, echoes in your mind. And what happens, it's a new awareness. It's a new awareness. Some of you, it was that new awareness that brought you to church this morning. It was that new awareness that maybe brought you back a couple months ago or when you started. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit echoing. In fact, right now, some of you, the Holy Spirit's echoing. That alarm is going off. Maybe it's alarm about how you're living. And you got a new awareness all of a sudden. It's the Holy Spirit echoing. It's time to change. It's time to put God first. It's time to get your priorities straight. They're all messed up. You know, it's that Holy Spirit that echoes and that alarm goes off and it's pointing to some area of sin that we're battling in life. And so the Holy Spirit whispers and says, this is wrong. You gotta stop this, you gotta stop that. You gotta stop running, you gotta stop playing games. And you sense it. See, that echo, that awareness Why does the Holy Spirit do that? Well, so that we'll repent, so we'll change, so we'll begin to move toward God. Alarm's sounding. Friends, don't hit the spiritual snooze. But it is the Holy Spirit speaking. You know, there's another piece of that whole conviction thing. It's reprove. We don't use that word much. But it's the idea that the righteousness in life can only be obtained through Jesus Christ, that God will help guide us toward righteousness because of that relationship we have with him. The Holy Spirit will convict you about things. You know, Christians, it's being reminded what you know is true. I mean, sometimes nobody has to tell you, oh, that's wrong. You just, you know it. You know it. You feel it. It's, uh, it's kind of that feeling you get when uh, you're at the store and the cashier hands you too much change back. And so you start the debate. Do I give it back or not? It's that feeling. You know, it's that feeling you get when you're filling out your tax return and you're not being exactly truthful on it. It's that feeling you get when you're talking about somebody behind their back and it just pops in your mind. What are you doing? Why are you saying that? Echoes. How the Holy Spirit works. When I uh, was working at Kroger, I was in uh, college, I think, at the time. I worked there through high school and college. And a co-worker came in one evening, and I worked midnights most of the time. And uh, he was sporting a new Cars jacket. 
So I'm talking about the rock group, the cars, you know, moving in stereo and shake it up, you know. You know how many of you were Cars fans or like Cars? I love Cars. He came in with that jacket, and I'm like, that is so cool. That's cool. I've got to get one. And he goes, you can't. It's an import. Back in those days, we did not have the Internet, okay? <laughs> so it was an import. There, there weren't many of them made. And uh, he goes, you want to buy it? 75 bucks, it's yours. Now, that was a lot of money back then. And I bought it. <laughs> It was an amazing jacket. It was silky white. It made me move like silk. I mean, I put it on. I had supernatural powers at some point. I didn't walk, friends. I glided through life. I mean, I put that on. I walked different. I just uh, I could feel it. I loved that jacket. It was a topic of a lot of conversations. It was okay to talk about my jacket. Do not touch my jacket. Whoa, you know. It was the 70s. Hey, you know, that kind of stuff. But I'd been wearing that jacket for several weeks. The guy that sold it to me, one day we were clocking in, and he goes, still like the jacket? I go, I love it. I love it. He goes, easiest 75 bucks ever made. And just the way he said it, it, it was like, eh, that sounded a bit odd. So I'm like, hey, just curious, what did you pay for the jacket? He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, what did you pay for it? He goes, nothing. I'm like, huh? He's like, I borrowed it. Then I sold it. Then I told my brother's friend that I'd lost it. All night, I'm working. Those words are echoing in my head. And then the Holy Spirit was echoing. This isn't right. This isn't right. I got off work. Uh, He had already checked out, and he was gone. And so I put the jacket under my arm as I'm heading to the car. I couldn't even put the thing on. It felt like it was kryptonite or something. I mean, it had lost its power. It had lost its luster. And all I could think about was that stupid jacket. Couldn't stand the jacket. I brought it back with me to work that next evening. And I handed it to him and said, I don't want it. He said, I'm not giving you your money back. I don't don't care. I said, just give it back to your brother's friend. He's like, okay. Friends, as soon as I found out that jacket was stolen, Holy Spirit started convicting me. It was those echoes. I mean, the fact I'm sharing it right now tells you something about the level of just that conviction book of Acts says we are witnesses to these things. There's another witness to the Holy Spirit whom God has given to all who, what? Choose to obey. See, I know when I'm, when I am obedient to God. I know when I'm obedient to that conviction of the Holy Spirit. What happens when I'm obedient I see an increase 
in the activity of the Holy Spirit in my life. And friends, as I look back on my life, all the times that the Holy Spirit echoed, all the times that the Holy Spirit pressed me to do something or not do something, all the times that he he prompted me to kind of step back and reevaluate or encouraged me to take some step of faith, to take a risk, to honor God. Friends, I can't tell you how many times I've listened to that Holy Spirit echo and I made adjustments and I got down the road, got some time and space between me and whatever, and I look back and I go, wow, I avoided a mess. You know how many times I looked and I realized if I hadn't listened, if I hadn't chosen to obey, I would have missed this blessing or that blessing. But friends, there's times I think about the times I got it wrong. You know, those times when the Holy Spirit was pressing me on some front and I hit the spiritual snooze. And here's what I wonder. I wonder what I missed out on. I mean, what an adventure. What blessing. What people I missed meeting. And it can happen easy. You know, when the Holy Spirit's echoing, convicting, and you're like, ah, I'm too busy. That's too hard. I want to do what I want to do. Leave me alone. And the Holy Spirit presses and echoes. In fact, for some of you, that alarm's going off. Friends, it's easy. Hit Hit the snooze. Hit the snooze. And all I can say is, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't miss out on a God-given opportunity, whatever it is. When I've listened to the Holy Spirit's echoes, it's opened up adventures in my life many times. It has always kept me moving toward God, always. You know, I think it's a piece of what Jesus was talking about when he said, but seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness And all these things will be given to you as well. There is something significant that happens in your life when you trust the Holy Spirit's echo. Those echoes of God's heart as God tries to guide you in life, as we talked about last week. Again, maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting you about something. The Holy Spirit sounded the alarm. You're you're, you're tempted to hit the snooze don't do it. I mean, if you sense that that alarm, just trust that the Holy Spirit knows what's best and just follow that. Go after that. See, conviction, conviction of the Holy Spirit. Got that idea of rebuke, the idea of reproof. And then the Holy Spirit will try and convince you of things. Jesus continues talking to the disciples. He says, I have so much more to say but you can't absorb it right now. Spirit of truth will come and guide you in all truth. He will speak his own words to you. He will speak what he hears, revealing to you the things to come and bring glory to me, Jesus says. He says the Spirit has unlimited access to me. 
and all that I possess and know. Just as everything the Father has in me is me, mine. That is the reason I'm confident He, the Holy Spirit, will care for my own and reveal the path to you. Jesus has been sharing with the disciples. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit wants to do, that the Holy Spirit wants to guide you in life. And then he says, reveal things to you. You know, it's woven through this entire passage. It's a great conversation. I encourage you to read the whole chapter. Uh, use it for your devotions this week. But reveal the path to you, he says. Holy Spirit's convicting. See, it's more than convicting us of things that we've done wrong or things that we're going to do wrong. See, it's bigger than that. Conviction is about also responding to things that God's calling us to. Sometimes that alarm, that voice in your head, your heart, it's calling us forward as Christians. Calling us to a better day, better way. It's leading and, and guiding us through conviction. And some of those leadings are small. They're very small. And some are big. And you never really know at the time. See, what I have learned through the years is you've got to just listen to those promptings. And when the Holy Spirit echoes, when that alarm goes off to not reach over and hit the snooze, don't do it. Don't do that. You know, sometimes it's that feeling, that sense that you get in in your mind. Something just pops in your head, in your heart. You know, maybe to give someone a call. Give someone a word of encouragement. Maybe it's an act of, of kindness that just you feel like it's something you're supposed to do. Again, last week we talked about this. It should square with Scripture. God will never contradict Scripture. Never, ever. But if that leading does not go against Scripture, then I say you follow the leading and see where it goes. I remember several years ago, uh, I, I was heading home after service. It was cold. It was snowy out. And I was almost home, and the alarm went off. I kind of sensed the Holy Spirit saying, you need to go back to church. And I'm thinking immediately, did I forget something, you know, and I went through that mental checklist, and I couldn't think of anything that I'd forgotten. But that alarm was strong. I mean, I could have hit the snooze button. I'll be honest with you, I wanted to hit the snooze button. I was tired. I just wanted to get back home. But that alarm went off, and I thought, I guess I'm going back to church. I pulled in. There was an older lady that was stuck in the parking lot. She was from another church. I said, Dad, you're on your own. You know. (laughs) 
No, she, I mean, she was upset. I helped her get her car going. I followed her home. And as I was driving back to my house, I thought, that's so God. God, God saw one of his daughters that was stranded and needed help. And God looked around and found one of his sons who happened to be listening that day. See, the Holy Spirit convinced me to do something really simple. Just turn the car around. I didn't know why I turned it around, but God did. Friends, sometimes the Spirit will just prompt you to do something very, very simple. Turn a car around. Give someone a call. Say that word of encouragement, an act of service, an act of generosity. You know, the Holy Spirit prompts Cindy on many, many levels, but often will just prompt her and say, she'll come to me, she'll say, I just feel like I'm supposed to send some money to so-and-so. Supposed to give him 100 bucks. I don't know why, but I think I'm supposed to. And she just does it. And many times, we'll find out after the fact that they had something going on in their life and they weren't going to ask anybody. But see, God knew. And God works that way. Now, I've shared this before, but several years ago, before I moved down to the River Bend area, I knew that I was moving and uh, the Holy Spirit just started urging me to give a guy a call that I played hoops with. I'd played hoops with him for a couple years. He'd finally started coming to church, but I'll be honest, I wasn't making much of a dent in his life. He was a nice guy, but he's what I would have described as uh, Mr. Self-Sufficient. And I, I felt that leading from, from God's Spirit to just give him a call and have lunch. I had a limited amount of time left I wanted to spend that time with my closest friends, with people that had been in the trenches in ministry with me. But the prompting was strong, and it was loud. I could have hit the snooze button. Again, I'll be honest with you, I wanted to hit the snooze button. But when the Holy Spirit presses, I know that obedience is always best. And so I picked up the phone, and I called him, and I set up a lunch with him. I remember when I was going to the lunch, I was, didn't really know why. And so I'm like, okay, God, why am I doing this? Nothing. About halfway through our meal, the Holy Spirit just presses me. Share the gospel. It just popped in my head. Share the gospel with it. And I'm thinking, what? I mean, that's not really how I do it a lot of times. And it was kind of a defining moment. Either I'm going to be faithful and going to be obedient, or I'm not going to be. I'm either going to trust the Holy Spirit's leading here, that echo, or I'm going to hit the snooze button. Now, Chris was talking business at this point. He, had, he was in a new business adventure, and so he just, he's wound for sound about it. And I just interrupt him and I go, Chris, you know why you need to give your life to Jesus Christ? He's like, what? 
And I just shared the gospel with him. That God, just told him God loves you. God sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. Talked to him the difference between uh, religion and relationship with God. And then I talked very specific about how to bow a knee to Jesus Christ and make him Lord and Savior of your life. I remember that lunch well. Because the whole time, Chris just shut down. I mean, he was unusually quiet. And he wouldn't even make eye contact with me. I finished the lunch. We said our goodbyes. And I'm walking out to the car and I go, well, that went well. I mean, did I miss something here? What was what, up with this? Nothing. Nothing. A few hours later, Chris called me. He goes, you know what I did after lunch? Don't know. He said, I went in my office and I got down on my knees and I made Jesus Christ Savior and Lord of my life. He got involved in the church after that. I, I had since moved. He started sharing his faith. He brought his brother to Jesus Christ. A few months after I had moved down here, I get a call from his girlfriend. He said, Chris has been diagnosed with a very aggressive brain tumor. And he died a couple weeks after that. Here's the deal. His brother, he plays in the worship band at First Church in Springville. And Chris is in heaven now. And do you know what you track that back to? A leading. The fact that some of you are sitting here today can be tracked back to a leading. The fact that I am speaking to you this morning tracks back to a leading. The fact that you're having the experience you're having in this church is tracked back to leadings. And I, I don't know how to say it any more convincingly than to say God loves you. God wants to communicate with you. God has an adventure planned for you. And part of that is the Holy Spirit leading you through that. And Christians, this stuff's important. Because when the Holy Spirit echoes, when that alarm goes off, don't hit the snooze button. You know, you follow in obedience. Hebrew writer says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. I mean, this verse is repeated several times in the book of Hebrews. It's several times in the Old Testament, and it's pointing back to a time when the Israelites had hardened their hearts. And they had gotten harder and harder and harder. You know why? Because they hit the spiritual snooze button. See, it's a, it's a caution to us to be very, very, very careful. When, when the Holy Spirit prompts you, when it, that echo inside you, you sense something, and God's pressing us, don't harden your hearts. Don't become insensitive to it. Don't brush it aside. Be very careful hitting that spiritual snooze button because, friends, when you hit that spiritual snooze button, you become a little more resistant to the call of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. And, friends, you hit that spiritual snooze button enough times, you'll finally stop hearing it. 
Watch out. In fact, some of you have been walking with God a long time. And my guess is when you look back on your life, there was a point where you used to hear the Holy Spirit's echoes. Used to hear them more often. But now, yeah, not so much. It's a hard issue. And my guess is it's not because the Holy Spirit's not speaking. It's because you've hit the snooze button so many times, you're just not hearing it anymore. And here's the amazing thing about God and God's grace is even though we've lived with hard hearts, even though we resist the Holy Spirit on so many fronts, even though we've hit that spiritual snooze button so many times when the Holy Spirit set that alarm and we just keep hitting it and pushing it aside, even though we've done that and the alarm sounded. Friends, if you come back to God with a repentant heart and ask for forgiveness and make a commitment to quit hitting the spiritual snooze. I mean, here's the promise God gives us in Ezekiel. He says, I will give you a new heart and a new mind and I will take away your stubborn heart of stone and give you an obedient heart. Now that's a new awareness. Some of you, the Holy Spirit's nudging you and you're tempted to hit the snooze. Don't do it. You know, I think about how amazing it would be for Faith Fellowship to be a community that when the Holy Spirit speaks, we listen. And not just listen, but when the Holy Spirit convicts us, that, that we fall on our knees. That when the Holy Spirit is pressing us and warns us that we just stop doing whatever it is we're doing, and when he points us in a direction and reveals that path to us, whatever it is, that we hit the path and not the snooze. I mean, I long for Faith Fellowship to be a place where people are guided by God's Holy Spirit. You know, where God's army rises up and we are fully committed and obedient and that we yield to whatever it is that God would have us do in our lives so that when God looks down at the River Bend area and he's looking for somebody to do whatever it is God wants us to do, that he's looking down and he sees Faith Fellowship and he goes, well, who am I going to choose this time? There are so many of them. I mean, they're yielded. They're committed. They're waiting to respond, and they've made a commitment to not hit the snooze button. They fellowship an army of God, ready, willing, able, power of God displayed over and over. Paul says God's kingdom is not just what? Not just talk. Not just what? Not just talk, but power. Friends, when the power of God through the Holy Spirit gets involved in whatever, lives are changed. They're transformed. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit in and through us. I've seen it happen time and time and time again. 
I'm going to invite Ben come join me up here. But here's the deal. T- tomorrow, when that alarm clock goes off, some of you are going to be tempted to hit the snooze button. Some of you will hit it three times. Some of you will get right out of bed. It's never on your radar. But here's what I want you to do. To make a commitment before you get out of bed, before you start living life, and just say, today, today I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit convicts me, tries to draw me toward something or away from something, I'm not going to hit the snooze button. I'm not. I ask you to join, join in worship, and I'm going to come back out after, afterwards and uh, have prayer with you.